Okay, this is the next episode of 10 Questions, and with me this time, I have Tanya Jenka, otherwise known as She Hacks Purple. How are you doing, Tanya? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm, <laughs> as discussed before we hit record, I'm waking up, but I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> oh, so, um... So let's let's go ahead and dig in. Yeah, for any for anybody listening, I I will I I will get my feet under me as the recording goes. So if I sound a little bit awkward right now, yeah yeah, yeah I I just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you usually tell people like this is a podcast where we ask people ten questions, or do you feel it's it's intuitive from the title? Um. It's I've, I feel it normally is intuitive, but of course, uh, um, you know, we're recording this the day after that uh, the, the uh, 10 by 10 speed round that I put out with Elise, and um, and uh, even though I explained it to uh, to Elise exactly what I was doing before we started, and then I still went ahead and explained it after we hit record, um, you know, I may end up doing that for two or three episodes of that. I, I, I forget for sure. It, it's been, I've recorded so many of the regular ones at this point that um, I may have said that a few times, but if I did, I dropped it pretty quickly. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of like the effect of uh, watching uh, Survivor. Um, <laughs> you know, Eve, it finally, this season, 40 seasons in, there was actually a a uh, tribal council where they, where uh, uh, Jeff Probst did not say, say that whole for in this game, fire represents your life and all all that. And I'm like, come on, people know this already. They've <laughs> almost everybody that's watched Survivor has watched at least two seasons, you would figure. So, yeah, I, I, I figure it's intuitive at this point. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to go on a game show, you should probably watch the game show before you go on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, otherwise, it's just like, okay, are you just trying to challenge yourself? <laughs> so, okay, I, 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 I feel myself going off the rails, so I'll, I'll regather myself. <laughs> okay. Did the audience give you 10 questions for me? I saw some tweets yesterday. I, I, got, uh, I, I got a few questions, not all 10, but that's fine. I've, I've got ones that I always use as well. So I'll, I'll interdisperse uh, those questions with, uh, with some of the questions that I use. Cool, cool. Um, so my 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 first uh, my, what's what's turned into my traditional first question uh, has been uh, what what is it that got you into technology in the first place? Oh, I feel like my family didn't really give me a choice in the matter. <laughs> My one aunt was the first woman to ever graduate computer science in Ontario. And my other aunt graduate, 
graduated computer science and then three of my five uncles graduated computer science and then my dad graduated as a technologist and a mechanic and then my mom graduated as a mathematician and a chemist because obviously you need a whole bunch of degrees and then my cousins one of them was going to become an astronaut so she's an engineer one of the other ones teaches at waterloo in mechanical engineering she's brilliant she's a doctor like a doctorate my other one is a chemist and also a computer scientist yeah so basically when i said oh you know what i really like programming and i think maybe i'm going to take computer science they all kind of looked at me like oh it's so cute how she came to it on her own <laughs> like, like what else would you do <laughs> You got a lot of family expectations. Right? <laughs> a lot of people tell me their parents really want them to be a doctor or a lawyer or all of these things. But when I was little, my uncle built us a computer from scratch and programmed it to ask us our name so it could talk. It would say, Hi, I'm Mikey. And then it would say, What is your name? And then you'd type in your name Hi, Tanya. How are you? And you would, you would type back to it. And, um, that was when I was just little, like, I think we had one of the first computers ever. So yeah, when I learned to program, it was almost easier than walking. <laughs> it just immediately, I was like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, whenever you grow up with things, yeah, it, it tends to, uh, it, it tends to happen easier. Um, yeah, I, I, I heard you, uh, I heard you talking about uh, Waterloo. Uh, I guess are you, are you uh, f flung further west than the rest of your family? Yeah, I'm from Kitchener, Waterloo. And then when I was fairly young, I, I moved up to Ottawa with my mom. And then I lived there around 20 years. And then now I live, I just moved around seven months ago to the West Coast to live on beautiful Vancouver Island, not to be mistaken for the amazing city of Vancouver. We're actually pretty far apart. You need to take an airplane to get there or a ferry for a few hours. People are always messaging me online and saying, hey, I'm in Vancouver on the weekend, wanna come over? I'm like, it's gonna take me four hours to get there and four hours to get back. You wanna come over here? <laughs> But I, I do visit Vancouver a fair bit, just not on a whim. Like, hey, could you meet me here in an hour? I don't think I could. <laughs> I, I, I know that feeling. I, uh, I, I, I worked in rural telco for many years, and uh, in uh, every different place I was, it was like, okay, um, I'm only half hour from, uh, from from the city here. Oh, wait, this one, I'm like three and a half hours from the city. <laughs> it, it, the closer I was to the city, the more time I spent in the city. But the further away I was, yeah, I, it, it was not a whim of a trip. <laughs> understand that. Uh, um, okay. Uh, well... We'll go with uh, question number two. The, in uh, this one was actually a uh, question that came from Twitter, and this is a natural question to go to next. Um, how did you get started with your career in security? That is an interesting story. So I was a programmer, 
and I was working for the Canadian government for quite a long time. And I was leading the, a dev team, which is basically what I had done for a really long time. I was holding, so in the Canadian government, they sort of have three technical levels, one, two, and three, very intuitive. And so I'd been a three, I don't know, for almost a decade. And there's nowhere up to go unless you want to become a manager. And I kept trying it and then realizing I must be allergic to it. <laughs> and then stepping back into being a more technical role. And so uh, we'd hired a penetration tester a bunch of times. And I also am a musician. So I would play in bars all around town. I have little, I have little albums on all the pages and stuff. And um, the penetration tester was also a musician. So then of course, our bands need to play together and we need to hang out. And we just became besties essentially. And then he started trying to drag me into security. <laughs> I was very resistant. He said, software development is the best. I make something out of nothing every single day. No, there's nothing better than this. We are essentially like the, the royalty of IT. And he's like, yeah, but I can crush you. <laughs> <laughs> so then he came and he gave a lunch and learn to my team. And then he gave another one. And then he, he introduced me. And slowly I got introduced over and over to basically every penetration tester in Ottawa. And then, you know, I became friends with them and then they're dragging me to the OWASP meetups and people just kept introducing every, everyone came and did a lunch and learn from my dev team. And eventually he's, he's said, okay, so damn it. I want you to be my apprentice. I think you're going to be so good at this. Come on. And so I'm like, okay, let's do it. So basically the exact opposite of experience as every other person who joined security. <laughs> People just dragged me into it. The whole community was like, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're pretty wonderful in Ottawa. Yeah. The OWASP community especially are just, they're so great and supportive. So you, you with spending that much time in a software development, what was your uh, favorite language to uh, program in? So the one that the government made me do all the time was .NET. Okay. But I've always been one of those people that can just read. I can just read whatever the language is and then just do it. So when I would apply for a job, I would just say I knew how to do it because I could I could just go and fix bugs and whatever. I don't know how I do that. Whenever I try to learn other things, it's hard. Like when I learned to play guitar, it took years and years before I was just not awful. <laughs> and then one day it clicked and then I could play guitar. And it's the same with French. I took night school forever. And then one day I could just speak French. And so I, I guess everyone learns differently. I'm dyslexic. And so I very quite definitely learn differently. And um, I guess computers were just like, for me, the computer science class, like in college, it was just, it just wasn't the same. I'm lucky that I yeah. found the thing that I'm good at. And yeah, that most I definitely. love it and that it pays. Because yes. there's lots of people that have like amazing talent that do not pay enough to pay your bills. So I definitely lucked out big time. Well, like if you were just a musician and you weren't in security and you weren't in software development. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes being a musician is questionable on your earning power. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, during when the bubble burst, 
So I've been working in IT since 1997. When the bubble burst in 2000, 2001, my musicianness totally saved me. I would play in bars all the time while I was in college and, and making a couple hundred extra bucks a month makes a huge difference when you're working help desk in the middle of the night because there's no jobs. Wow. Yeah. Help desk in the middle of the night. I'm... I, I'm not one of those people that does good with with uh, helping people that detailed. I'm not one of those people that does good with something like help desk. I can only imagine adding all of that with third shift. Wow. Yeah. And also that was after I had already started my own company and had worked for another startup and was managing giant projects and then yeah, I'd worked for a bunch of major tech companies at that point. And then it's like, you're going to work minimum wage. And yeah, it was, it was, um, it was good to make sure that I stay humble. That's just yes. like that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Humbleness is always something that even for the most humble people can, you, you can still lose, lose check on that at times. So mm -hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> Seriously, um, it was a tough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's, you know, that that does uh, th that does uh, present another uh, good question. Um, I, I know uh, whenever I first became aware of you, that uh, that that uh, you were in my mind, you were connected with Microsoft. That was, that was your big thing. And I never came across anybody that uh, had you connected anyway else except Microsoft as well. So it's, it sounds like uh, it was a, a fairly monumentous decision to leave Microsoft when you did. Yeah, it, it was a big decision, definitely, especially just there's so many people there that were pretty awesome to me and gave me a lot of opportunity, but the travel was killing me. <laughs> and um, a friend of mine was starting a tech company and we really got along and we had all these big dreams. And so after several months of discussions, I agreed to jump ship and join him. And then after only nine weeks, we decided that we would part ways and I'm not giving details, but we still respect each other. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes you can talk things out, but then when you're actually doing them and you're talking to investors or you're making major business decisions, the things that you talked about before didn't account for this or that, or, you know, one of you, thinks you meant this and one of you thinks you meant that and it, we thought we had agreed on so many things <laughs> and then it turned out that wasn't true but um but i learned a lot and i love startups so i actually started another new company and i i haven't really announced it yet because my dns is broken on my website <laughs> but basically i started shehackspurple.dev and I am going to make affordable online security training for devs and AppSec people, cloud security people, people that want to get into our industry right now, 
people just can't afford that. So companies can hire me to come in and I will charge regular rates that everyone else is charging. I will do the industry standard, but online you can follow along at home. I want to make labs where, you know, you can get a free trial for this. And if you stay under this amount, you can get by for free or almost free. And um, I'm partnering with a company called Abateo. And so if you wanted to do even more stuff, you can pay for some lab time. They're very fancy labs. But I, I want to teach all the stuff that is in my head to other people. So yeah. And I also coach companies. I've been doing that for quite a while. So companies, they're like, we have a DevOps program and there is not a lot of security in it. <laughs> How can we add some, but have people not string us up by our toes <laughs> and not have to, you know, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? How can we do that? I'm like, I have a thousand ideas for you. <laughs> and so we like meet, you know, monthly or whatever. And I just like coach them into going like this, 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 this. We have an AppSec program, but we need security champions. I'm like, ooh, let's make security champions. It's it's awesome to see so much success. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah. love it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, that it, uh, it, it, you describing the the the, uh, the 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 curve that you ran into as you were leaving Microsoft, and then and, and then. Uh, Figuring out entirely where you were landing, I was. It, it was making me think about what uh, a lot of people talk about of uh, you know going to school these days and then actually getting out and trying to use it to trying to use that uh, that uh, knowledge from school in the real world. And it's just like, okay, there's a disconnect right there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it may make sense whenever whenever you're sitting right here in the classroom. And uh, and you're learning about it, the theory and how this works and how that works. But then you go to put it into practice, yes. and all of a sudden there's speed bumps. <laughs> yes. So last night, actually, um, I was a guest lecturer for the University of Victoria, and I'm very grateful for them and Gary Perkins for letting me guest lecture. And partway through, I was explaining what DevSecOps is. So first, I explained application security and what that is. You know, it's all the things you do to make sure that your software is secure. And then DevSecOps is what do AppSec people do in a DevOps environment? Like, how do I adjust? And then they said, what is DevOps? And then I just, I, I'm like, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Like you're in computer science, right? Like this isn't the marketing class, like what? And, and so then I said, do you know what Agile is? And then two of them kind of put their hand up and looked confused. And then I said, are they teaching you waterfall? And then they all nodded and they're like, yes, that's what we do. And then I had to kind of back up and say some new lessons, but this is like, this school has at least one security class in their computer science program. Most of them have zero. So they're actually way ahead of a lot of the other universities and um, it was just, it was really shocking for me. So I think that on shexpurple.dev, I need to teach what DevOps is and then teach what DevSecOps is, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, uh, I uh, taught for a couple of years and, um, and uh, 
I was uh, teaching in a uh, middle school middle school class, but it was a uh, technology based classroom, and, and uh, they had just started a one to one laptop program in that school. Uh, whenever I started there, and I, I I walked into that teaching gig. Uh, thinking, thinking that okay, you know these 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 kids no computers. All right, what I learned in the time I spent teaching there was that these kids know to, they know how to play with their computers. They know how to have fun with their computers and make their computers do what they want them to do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they know how their computers work. Yes. And so I, I only taught for a couple of years, but the uh, but the second year, um, I, I even though it wasn't technically part of the curriculum, I still st- stepped back and spent about a week actually just teaching uh, uh, t- teaching uh, A plus uh, material, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the base the basic A plus material to them for about a week. To instill some, okay, you, you know, here c- computers have specific ways they work. Um, I, I even uh, I even taught them about um, uh, wiring patterns for uh, for Ethernet cables too. So it, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 some sometimes we walk into situations and expect one thing and get another, and it's it, it catches you off guard at times. Yeah, yeah, and um, the professor had hinted at me giving some more advanced topics, and I said I really wanted to go like level 101, so I'm really glad that I did that because, yeah, I I can cover very, very advanced topics, but when I do that, often, you know, you lose a lot of the class. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to putting all my knowledge into something. Um, I'm also writing a book. Can I talk about my book? I know you didn't ask. <laughs> oh no, that, that's, hey, that, that, that's fine. Um, may, maybe by the time this is dropping, maybe maybe you'll be close to or already have the book done. So yeah, it should come out in the fall. I'm really excited. It's called Alice and Bob Learn Application Security, and it's basic like all the basics of AppSec that I wish every software developer knew, or if you're going to work in application security or DevSecOps, the things that you should know, but then with little stories about how everything affects Alice or Bob. And Bob is me from you know age 18 to maybe 31, and then Alice is me age 31 to now. <laughs> and basically like different life experiences and different types of situations that you're in and what types of roles that you could play and how these affect real people. So why does this security header matter to Alice? Like she's just a, you know, she's an executive. Like how does the security header, well, let me tell you, Alice was doing blah, blah, blah. And then this happened. And just so people can understand what the risks actually are or how these things can affect the other teams. Cause I feel a lot of problems rise in security because they really, really want whatever thing that is in line with our mandate, but they forget that then they might be breaking someone else's mandate and we have to compromise. 
And so, yeah, I use these two characters to tell stories that are hopefully like kind of cute and funny, but they illustrate my points. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to, to whenever you have that book done then. Um, I, 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 I run, am running into situations like that currently in my day job, um, you know, trying to, trying to do things that, okay, I know it needs to be done like this, 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 and this, and it's not right now. We need to change it. But yeah, we need to make sure that it's not screwing up this over here and screwing up that over there and not, yeah. and not uh, out, out of bounds for this particular aspect here. Yeah. I, I, I look forward to that because uh, it, because I'm fairly certain that I, I will probably be able to read uh, many things I haven't even thought about myself at this point. Yeah. I just, I also find it so hard to read textbooks and I'm dyslexic, so I don't know if it's just me, but when I, when I studied in school, I actually just didn't buy any of the books and I would just wing most of it. And I still got awesome grades because it's literally in my blood. But for a normal human, like just reading a textbook, I don't know how hard it is for you, but I look at them and I'm just like, I fear you. <laughs> like I just, I could take all year reading a textbook. It's just like, oh, it's so hard. Why are there not enough pictures? Like. <laughs> Why do you have to explain it in like this awful complex way? Like, can't you give me an analogy or some examples or a, I, so I've been like making these cute little pictures and people are just like, you're adorable as if you made a flow chart of someone logs in. These are all the things you check. Did this happen? No. <laughs> Reject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally get that. Cause, uh, um, like me and reading in general, I just, I do not process reading long amounts of text. I, 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 I just don't. Um, however, that being said, you know, if I, if I am going to sit down and read, I will have much more success going through a technical manual or a textbook or something like that, even though I like novels. Um, oh, yeah. but, it's, but, but even out, even outside of that, I can still get bogged down in a textbook. I, I have problems just getting bogged down in books in general. Um, so, you know, with all, with, with all the extra little stuff, you know, for, for me, it, it plays into my ADHD because it gives, it gives me little things to, uh, actually break away to, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Read that. Read that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Um, it went, whenever I was doing my, uh, whenever I was doing my graduate degree, uh, probably one of my favorite books out of all the books that we used in that program, it was called, um, Adventures of an IT Leader. Okay. So good material in there, good, uh, good stuff to learn. But what the, what the author of the book ended up doing, one is took all these lessons and turned it into it tur turned it into a uh, fictional story with all the lessons baked in for one, um, two. And if the book were in the room with me right now, I'd grab it and show you. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, I, so I haven't looked at it in a little while. But I, I do know that there was a lot of um, a, a lot of uh, graphic elements that they included in there too. The even the uh, even the uh, uh, Cover of the book uh, made it almost look like a uh, like a uh, comic book. Um, 
and I'm taking a small pause and going um and um and um and um because <laughs> maybe I can maybe I can find a link and send it to you so you can see it. You should put yeah. it in in the notes. Yeah, that's the, I will definitely do that. So, and in the meantime, there's the, there, there there's a link to it right there, so you can take a look at it. Um, but yeah, that that was probably one of the more uh, one of the more uh, captivating, interesting books yeah, during uh, during my uh, graduate program um, because of uh, because of all that because of that extra stuff and it it it, it helped me it, it helped me jump from one thing to another uh, pretty easily. Um, so I, I I've got a special place in my heart for books like that because I I know I could probably open the book and get through it a lot faster than any other that's out there. Yes, yes, so, so much yes. <laughs> um, so we've okay, totally so, gotten through two of the ten questions. All right, we're awesome. Uh, Hey, t t t technically, we're at the spot to do the officially question number four now. Oh, well then. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll actually, uh, yeah, this seems like a good point for this next question. It's one that I got from Twitter as well. Um, and uh, it's the, the question was, in times of high stress, what helps you stay on task and moving forward? Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Um so a thing that really helps me stay on task, and this is going to sound utterly ridiculous, is getting on an airplane. <laughs> Whenever I have all these emails <laughs> listed, going into a place that is not my home, where there's all sorts of cool other stuff I want to do, and especially on an airplane, no internet, no Twitter, no cell phone calls, no, nothing. No, hey, look outside, my neighbor's out. Well, I better go say hi. <laughs> um, so I actually quite often, uh, I go to the Starbucks near me and then order a cup of tea and I sit in the corner and I put on like indie rock music, put my headphones on and then just zone out. And they were joking with me, oh, you can't work from home? I can work from home, but at home I will answer all of the emails, all of my direct messages, I will go through, you know, all my text messages I haven't answered, all of those things, and then people reply. Well, then I have to reply to them again, and then I'm in a chat, then someone phones. But if I am at Starbucks, I don't do any of that. I'm just going to write my next chapter or my blog post or whatever the thing is, because there's nothing other to do that is appropriate. It's not appropriate for me to do some yoga stretches in Starbucks. <laughs> it's not very comfortable to take a long phone call from one of my friends and have her tell me all about her weekend. Just like, I really better work. And the staff are like, it's like you work here. <laughs> like, hi, everyone. Like, oh, hi. How's the book? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I should, I should send the Starbucks security team free copies as a thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tolerating me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely 100% understand that between the airplane and the Starbucks. Um, I, I, I think uh, whenever any day that I go into work that I've got extra load, um, 
re really what helps me is when everybody else goes home. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, I found it really hard to work in an office because I'm ridiculously social. I'm like, oh, look, Catherine's here. <laughs> and then Catherine's like, hi. Hi, I'm so excited to see you, my friend. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then 20 minutes later, I'm like, why did I not get that thing done? Well, it is, and, and even even for me, even if I'm not feeling social that day, it's it's just like, okay, I've got this list right here that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And then the moment I the moment I appear in the office, hey, this isn't working. Hey, that needs to be fixed. Hey, can you do oh, this? Yeah. Hey, can you do that? And before before you know it, my 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 my, my issue always is um, is uh, internal prioritization. You know, especially whenever there's not a you know, a, a a framework to make some definitive decisions of what should be prioritized, um, then then every time somebody presents me something new, sure, yes, sure, all right, yeah, okay, and then everything else just keeps on getting shoved down that list. And yeah, the, yeah, whenever everybody else goes home, then all of a sudden, hey, I can get to a lot of these other things. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, that keeps me at work past five, sometimes six, six thirty, And, uh, you know, it, it'll make it difficult with, you know, if I, uh, you know, if I schedule podcast recordings or anything, any other th stuff that I do to keep my sanity, uh, outside of work, um, I, I, then I end up running straight from work to whatever it is I'm going next and don't even get a chance to get home and take a breath. It's about deep work, right? Like there's there's work that is deep, like writing a chapter in a book. But then there's, I don't want to say shallow work, but work that are many small chunks where you require a lot of context switching. And I really love deep work. I love like streaming and programming and then making a whole bunch of content. I love it. But um, answering messages. And so for instance, right now I'm like planning all these different trainings because I'm doing all of this travel. And so I'm going to go into different offices and train people. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I am such a, a, a crappy responder to messages. I am that jerk that is just, I'm, I mean to get back to people, but I just, I really don't enjoy that aspect. So as soon as I can afford it, I'm going to hire someone who does like that and give them the power to just send me places. You just tell me where to be and I will go and I will speak. I will be spectacular, no problem. Just someone do my administrative stuff. I swear, administrate like an executive assistant. Those people are gods. <laughs> They're so amazing. I it dream. is a special skill and not everybody has that skill. I know, I know. And whenever I, like anyone is mean to an administrative assistant, I'm just like, do you understand what you are risking? This person has all the power. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, it's, <laughs> and uh, it, I, I know like uh, um, the show Suits was, is probably one of my favorite, most recent uh, depictions of, hey, you know, he, he, here's what people in these positions, he, here's what they know, here's what they can do. They, they know so much more. They take care of so much more than you ever think. Mm -hmm. um, I... It, you know, even though Suits was yet you know, yet another work of fiction out there, I don't think that uh, that uh, you know all the uh, secretaries in that uh, office 
on that show. I, I don't think that that was far off center at all. I uh, I think that was yeah. probably very realistic. So, okay. Um, question number five. Um, what would you say is the biggest DevOps challenges in the cloud? Specifically in the cloud. Okay. Biggest DevOps challenge in the cloud? I would say lack of knowledge of how to do the things, lack of education on the topics that you want. I feel like, so I realize that I'm biased because I give training. However, the reason why I decided to give training is because I felt that that's where I was needed the most, if that makes sense. So after I quit my startup last year, I asked everyone like, hey, what do you think I should do? And just person after person after person was like, will you please come train us? Will you please come show us how to do this? You're good at explaining that or why we need to do that and when we need to do that. And then showing us, look, you can do it. And then after we're like, let's go conquer all the things, right? And person after person after person was like, could you please do that? And I was like, I think you win. I think that that makes the most sense. I love teaching and apparently that's where we need stuff. Um, when I worked for the Canadian government, our budget for training was at first 2,700, then 2,500, and then eventually it became 1,500 and then 1,200. And these are Canadian dollars. So it's basically like monopoly money. If you're in America, you can't really do that much with it. It's worth way, way less. And so a SANS course, that I wanted to take is 6,000 American dollars. And that, and then if you take the certification, that's 1,500 on top, and that is 10,000 Canadian dollars. Yes. So that means if I save my budget training, my training budget for several years, which you're not allowed doing, it does not roll over. So that means I'd have to take the training budget of five other employees. I'd have to talk them into not going on training so I could have their training. Then I'd have to get my manager to sign off on it. And it, obviously that was never gonna happen. And I don't think I could say to other employees, like, could you all just not go on training this year? Cause I wanna take fancy pants class. So what I did was I'm a cheater. <laughs> I'm a hacker, that's what you do, right? Like you get around, you find creative solutions. So I was already an OWASP chapter leader and the other leader explained to me that there is a spot in every training class that is reserved for the fastest leader <laughs> in at the OWASP conferences. So if you talk to the right people and do the right thing, then you can get one of those spots for free. You have to fly yourself over there, get the days off work, but they'll let you into the class for free. Not all of us, just one, but it was often me, like, I don't know how to hack phones. I probably don't need this for work, but it's the only one that has a spot left and the teacher said, okay, so I will be there. And then I started speaking at conferences so I could get in free. And then I started convincing them to like, you know, like give me some of my travel costs back. And that ended up being, you know, like attending every single place, speaking at every single conference, giving free training so I could get into another training for free trading with other professionals. So I've had a lot of people be willing to just let me in their class for free because I did X, Y, Z for them, etc. And then, yeah, I did a lot of self-training like that, but the average person is not as extroverted 
and charming and creative like I am, if that makes sense. Maybe they're not willing to share a hotel room with someone else so that they can make it work financially. Um, so I feel like people who are moving to the cloud are often given little to no training and then they're just expected to magically know it. And that's not realistic. Like when I went to Microsoft, one of the giant, wonderful, amazing things was I got to learn from the humans actually making the awesome stuff. And I remember thinking like, you're gonna pay me? Ha ha, joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to work with all the awesome advocates that like know all the stuff and they're making the proof of concepts. It's like, oh, I could just go sit next to that awesome human that is literally the world renowned expert at this. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like when people go to the cloud or people are told to do DevOps, often they're given very minimal information about what that means. And then they're quite often blamed for when things don't go perfectly. And I mean, I had to teach me DevOps. I had to go and buy all the books and do all the reading and experimentation and all the things. And a lot of people have other things in their life and aren't as obsessive as I might be. And yeah, I am. And, uh, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I can't see a lot of offices sending people to like a full time university program. So there has to be some sort of halfway in between thing. And, Unfortunately, like, I mean, I would take every SANS course if they were free, but I, I can't justify giving, you know, 10% of my income for the year pre-tax. We pay like 50% tax here too, right? So it's just like, I'm not gonna give you 20% of my disposable income. It's just not happening. Uh, like, thanks, but no. Um, so yeah, so there has to be some sort of, give and so that's what i see as the challenge is people are really excited they want to learn and that just the resources aren't realistic options aren't made available for them to learn things so that they can do a kick-ass job that, that that makes perfect sense i i agree with your assessment right there wholeheartedly so um so official question number six will exhaust the uh questions that I got on Twitter. Um, what, uh, what, what non-technical things are things that inspire you? Oh, non that inspire me in regards to what? Uh, there wasn't, there, there wasn't anything specific, uh, past that on that question. Oh, so inspire me at all. Just, just in general. I love helping people makes me so happy. And then I love it when I help someone and then that person helps someone else. I like meeting new people. I really, really like meeting new people, which is, I know computer science involves a lot of introverts, but I am the opposite of that and that's cool. And so meeting new people kind of motivates me. So when I go and speak at meetups locally, sometimes people say to me like, why do you bother doing that? You don't have to do it. You don't make any money. Cause I want to meet cool people that live in my city <laughs> and I'm probably going to make lots of friends this way. And sometimes you meet someone at one meetup and then you end up meeting them a few months later at another meetup. And then one day they're your bestie. 
Mm -hmm. Or one day that person is the person that introduces you to someone who gets you in your next job or, or whatever, right? And you get invited to the school party and then someone gives you a lesson on how to, like, I remember going to a party and then meeting someone and then he took me ice fishing. <laughs> and I ended up hanging out with all these French Canadians going ice fishing this one day. Like I just end up doing all these weird fun activities that you wouldn't have got to try. like. Someone else brought me skydiving. <laughs> I was just like, wow. okay, let's do this. <laughs> and I find the more you say yes, the more cool things happen. Um, so I also, I guess, love trying new things. And so that motivates me too. Like of going to a, a country I've never been to, trying food I've never had. I'm just like, I'm in. So I find that very motivating. So quite often when I'm invited to speak somewhere, if I've never been to that place, ooh, yeah, let's make this work. So what is the oddest food that you've never had that you've tried? Ooh, I've had chicken feet. I didn't like that. Um, I, I used to have a friend in Ottawa who would have a wild game party every year. Her dad was a hunter. So I've had like bear, buffalo, kangaroo, squirrel, possum, porcupine, moose, deer i haven't had alpaca i've had zebra um ostrich like all of the weird meats i would say um my favorite food is always when i visit asian countries i have a lot of asian friends that joke that i was made white by mistake that is definitely an error I'm like i know i agree I, yeah. So basically every time there's a chance to go to Asia, I'm like, how do I make this happen so I can afford it? Let's go. <laughs> but weirdest food, I don't know. I don't really consider. Oh, what was that? There was in, um, in Asia, there was this foam glowing tea drink where you would sort of inhale it. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it was only in Asia. There's just things that only happen in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I saw these people and it was almost like cold ice. And then they're kind of like <sighs> trying to kind of have it evaporate into your mouth, if that makes sense. It's like, oh. uh, I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that, that sounds like fun. It, it really does sound like fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Well, now that I've used up the Twitter questions, now I guess I get to ask you some more of my own questions. Cool. <laughs> um, well, how about, how about this? The dinner party. Let's say you're having a dinner party. You're inviting three other people to uh, have dinner with you. One of them is somebody that you know from Twitter. Okay. One of them is a well-known historical figure. Oh. And then the other one is a current celebrity. So, so who, who who are those three people and why? Okay, so I would invite Ani DeFranco to dinner. She is a musician that I really admire. Um, so she's she's famous. She's indie famous, if that makes sense. Uh, historical figure. Urgh. 
Hmm. Hmm. I'd probably invite the Canadian prime minister, the only one that we had that was a woman. She got such a bad rap, but she was like, she actually did really well with the giant pile of crap she got handed. And then for, she's still alive though, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And then for Twitter person, I'd probably invite Tara Wheeler. I already know her, so I know I would like it. <laughs> she's great to have dinner with. <laughs> and, and I was supposed to have a chance to have dinner with her last or last this past week in San Francisco and then dumb things happened and I didn't get to go and I missed my chance. So I would want like a to have that rain check happen. Okay. Okay. That may, it's okay yeah. if it's a famous person from Twitter you're already friends with. That's that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, that, that's fine. I, I I'm I'm not a uh, I, I'm I'm not a uh, strict interpretation of rules on something that's supposed to be abstract. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, question number eight, and we, we may we may have already gotten a uh, preview of what your answer may or may not be on this. Um, but whenever you were in high school, what was your favorite band? Oh, um, Propagandy. Yeah, they're a Canadian punk rock band that are super hardcore about their vegans and their feminists and their music's awesome. Um, and I was a vegetarian throughout um, high school and most of college. Uh, and so, yeah, they really spoke to me. And also I like punk rock. So yeah, I think they're my favorite band. So does, does that mean you're also a, a fan of the Ramones? Eh, they're okay. I, like, I think I like, I mean, they're super fun, but I wouldn't sit and listen to the Ramones all afternoon, but I would definitely do that for Propagandy. Like I've seen Propagandy perform a zillion times. Big fan. Also, I guess I like Pearl Jam too. So I kind of liked punk rock and, and grunge, but then as I got older, I was like, forget you grunge, it's all about punk rock. <laughs> so, so, so that means at one point in time, you were a Kurt Cobain fan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and Courtney Love. I liked it too, because I was learning to play guitar and their songs were just so ridiculously simple. I was like, even I can play this crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, that is. I, I heard you say something that would lead into a, a a good question number nine, and this is kind of a uh, a, a three step probing question here. Or something okay. Like that. Um, so you said something about being vegetarian earlier on in life. Does that mean you're not now? Yeah, I'm not a vegetarian now. Um, okay. When I was in college, and I do like the sixteen hour plus days of computer science. And then I also worked one or two jobs the whole time that I was in school. So I was working at a startup, then I was performing music a few nights per month to make ends meet. Um, and so at first I'd lived with my parents and it was just, it was like three plus hours of public transit per day. And back then in the nineties, no one was a vegetarian, no one. So the only school food I could get that was vegetarian was a salad that would have zero calories. 
French fries. I hate French fries. I know I'm the only person, but I just, why would anyone eat that? It's so boring. People, people love French fries. That's nice. And I don't know if you know, but poutin is not vegetarian. So like cheese has rennet in it. And that's from like the cow's fourth stomach. And so that's not vegetarian. And then the gravy, there's like bone marrow and stuff. Anyway, so, so I just like, there's, there's no food calories at school. And so I would bring food with me, but eventually it would like run out and whatever. And I was just basically hungry all the time. So eventually I was like, I feel like I have to eat meat. Like I just, I can't survive. Um, and then eventually I became paleo. So I eat, I don't really eat grains generally cause it turns out they make me pretty ill. Cause one of my many, many, many voyages that I went on, I caught parasite. Yeah. And since then I can't like digest gluten or corn. There's like this long list of, I just don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now if I didn't eat meat or was vegan, I would only be able to eat like vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't. So I still um, like participate in tofu and eat a ridiculous amount of vegetables uh, and like high fat types of vegetables like coconut and avocado and things like that. But I'm just like, I can't not eat meat or I just don't know how I'll survive. And with travel, it is so difficult to keep a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet. But then on top of that, adding, you can't have any gluten or corn or, 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 it's just, I'm screwed. <laughs> so yeah, so I eat meat. And it's funny because every time I, I meet people all the time and they always assume I'm vegetarian or vegan, they're like, you have that gentleness to you that I just assume you won't be able to do it. And I'm like, well, at home I buy free range, happy cows directly from the, you know, the farmer and try to have the least environmental impact. And I do all the things, but then you travel and all that's at the window, right? Like yeah. I don't eat chicken when I go out because the way that people treat chickens is horrifying. So I buy mine at home from the farmer and like, I don't know this farmer personally, like I knew the last one, but they were tired, but like I could see the animals running around doing their things. I could see them feeding them apples and cucumbers and other things and like not see, like the things that you see that they do to animals at factory farms horrifies me. It makes me feel a lot of guilt. So yeah. So I guess I guess I am a, a guilty meat eater. Well, that, that that actually was about to be where where I went with that next. It's like, okay, so so are you eating meat out of necessity, and you're and you're just like, uh, no, uh, I need the meat, but no, I don't like. It. I put a lot of sauce on it. Okay, okay. So, so not kidding. <laughs> so is, is, well, uh, okay, so 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 maybe this would even this would even be a little bit more of a uh, of an accurate question going in that direction. Do you have a favorite meat to eat? I like pork the best. Okay, okay. Thanks. So, 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 so you're not entirely a guilty meat eater. <laughs> yeah, like if you put sauce on stuff, it can be pretty good. <laughs> okay. Breaded and rice flour and like. Yeah, I like bacon. I like uh, putting, I don't know, all the sauces, stir fry, all the vegetables. But I do eat tofu and other things too. But yeah, I've discovered when I don't eat meat, I don't feel very good. 
Okay. And apparently I also don't look very good. Like my parents are like, look at you. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> no, hey, I, I've, I've discovered things like that about myself too. Um, I think probably one of my favorite staple side dishes has always been mashed potatoes. Oh, yum. And um, I've, I've really started to learn that uh, mashed potatoes just are a little bit of an issue for me. And whenever I haven't had them for a while um, and then I do again, oh, wait, this is this is weird. Uh, there's a, um, I loved them, but I don't like what they're doing to me. <laughs> Yeah, can you have sweet potatoes or I yellow? Really don't want, I, I I probably could, but I I don't like them. Because <laughs> there's there's some sweet potatoes that are like less flavorful, if that makes sense, or like purple potatoes and stuff. Like part of the paleo or primal type of diet is the idea that you eat colored foods. Mm-hmm. So the brighter the color, the more nutrients are in it. And so white potatoes like are kind of empty. It's like eating white bread. So it's not really got all the awesome stuff that you could be having as part of your meal. Just and eating so, solid vodka. Pardon? Just eating solid vodka. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that brings us on to uh, officially question number 10. All right. All right. And uh, th- this is uh, has kind of be- become my standard closing question here. Um okay. But uh, what would you say is both the best and the worst advice that you have ever received? Oh, um, hmm. do they have to be the same advice? It could be different. Okay, so worst advice was from my first professional mentor who I learned a lot about how to find a better professional mentor. And so I found a vulnerability and his advice was, you have two hours left in your pen test time, exploit it. And I had no experience and I made a giant mess and it was really awful. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, put on your black hat and like try to show them what could happen with this vulnerability. And I tore it down so badly. Yeah, and it was their prod site. And I guess that he, yeah. Oh yeah, I took the whole thing down. And not just like the database, also the web server had to be restored, everything took them days to get back up. And I guess that he had thought that I wouldn't succeed and that he would just give me this challenge. Uh, Later I learned that probably that was illegal. (laughs) Yeah, so that was the worst advice ever. Thanks, bud. Best advice ever was from my next professional mentor, Adrian DeBeaupre, who's great. And he said, so first of all, he made me do public speaking. I didn't want to. He just announced on Twitter, Tanya speaking at B-Sides. I was like, wait, what? He's like, it's it's in writing. You have to do it now. I was like, no, I no. And he's like, yeah, she's, she's going to speak. Everyone's looking forward to it. I'm like, no, stop announcing that. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, you're on stage all the time. You've been on stage your whole life. <laughs> like with music, he's like, and I did acting and I did comedy for a bit. He's like, Tanya, this is nothing for you. And I was like, no, I'm terrified. He's like, no, you'll be great. And then when I started speaking, I loved it exactly like he predicted. And then his advice was follow the thing you love and the money will just come. And I was like, Adrian, 
No one's just going to pay me to go speak places and be a nerd. He's like, they will. And he's like, no, Adrian. Like, I can't just do things that I think are fun all the time. And he's like, trust me, you can. <laughs> and then now people pay me to give training and will send me plane tickets to speak. And like, I'm, I am keynoting my favorite conference of all time this year, the OWASP Global Conference in Dublin. And when they asked me, I literally almost cried. I was just like, oh my God, it's in like this giant, like, you know, where it's like a dream where you don't even admit that it's a dream because mm -hmm. it's so like that will never happen. And I, I'm just like, Adrian was so right. He was so right. He's like, just keep doing it. The money will follow. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's like, Tanya, you're very talented. And I was like, well, I don't know. And you have to say that you're my mentor. He's like, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't give compliments for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the best advice ever to like do the thing. He's like, you love helping people. You love speaking. You love teaching. Keep doing it. The money's going to find you. And he was so right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we have hit the end of 10 questions. And yes. uh, so uh, before we get done, I'll give you an opportunity. Either if you want to say anything additional, if you want to plug anything in particular, Oh, I do. Please come visit my brand new content training website, www.shehexpurple.dev, like dev for developers. I'm still going to have lots of free content on there because I can't help myself. Um, but some of it will be paid content now because I have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited because if I, if I can make ends meet by doing that, that means that I can just keep sharing with the community indefinitely. And that would just be... I don't know, pretty cool. So a lot of people are like, you can do it. So I'm going to do it. And by, by the time this drops, your book will be out. So everybody yeah. go out and buy your book. Yes, please. Yes, yes, please buy my book and then take my training because I want to make as many DevSecOps and AppSec engineers as I can and set you forth on the insecure apps that our industry is releasing so that we can all play on the internet and be safe. Perfect example, like the like the Democratic primaries here in the states. Two already two states in that are using new technological ways to to deal with things, and two states have already screwed it up. Oh no! Because so, I'm in Canada, I didn't hear about that, but I'm sorry yeah. that's happening. Well, yeah. If you if you want to go read about it, look for look for uh, Iowa and then Nevada. Okay. Um, yeah, Iowa was that that was huge because it, it they weren't able to release the results that night like normally. Oh no. Yeah, it was a big debacle. So mm. um okay, um anything else you want to plug? Uh no, that's great. Please come to my website so I can teach you cool AppSec stuff. All right. And also MFA. <laughs> Yes. Every time MFA. I turn on MFA on anything from now on, I'm just going to like make a free video and be like, look, I turned this on on the site. You should too, because I feel that MFA is really important. So when you're done listening to this, after you visit my site, go turn on MFA on all your important accounts. Yes, please, please. Seriously. And, and, and if you work at a place that is that has to deal with compliance, you should probably already understand MFA. But yeah. if you don't, come ask Tanya about it and she'll school you on it. Yeah. Someone, someone was trying to hack my Twitter this morning, and my MFA saved me. Oh, I don't know how they got my 64-bit random character password, but 
going to have a new one. Or I guess they're trying to reset it or something. But they're like, my MFA like authenticator, it's like, is this you? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you. Well, MFA comes to comes to the rescue again. There you yep, go. absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was super fun to chat and hang out. Oh, absolutely. So it was good to get a chance to meet you and talk to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks very much. I'm Tanya Janka, also known as SheX Purple, and thanks for listening to Ten Questions. Yeah. <laughs>